All right, uh, pupils, retinas are important, lenses are important. Uh, you've even got funny retinas where the receptors move back and forward and they can uh, give the eye a bit of focusing ability. Um, but if you look at the pupil, of course, in the iris, this one looks odd to us um, at the top here. But um, it's really just a multiple pinhole and probably this funny sort of structure that it's got here shades it from light from above and so forth. And so it, it kind of, uh, dis despite the sort of unusual appearance, it helps this creature to function more effectively in its environment. You also get these sorts of things which you'll see in cats and so forth and uh, they come in all varieties of orientations and sheep will have things, you know, where they're horizontal and deer will be horizontal and um, but essentially it's just a multiple panel. Each little panel uh, helps to clarify the image and uh, the iris at the same time regulates light in the eye as such. Okay, so again a huge variety of different things. Um, the eye of course is wonderful, but there's also muscles um, which uh, are important. And those muscles, there's six muscles per eye and there's muscles inside the eye which help us to focus from far too near and also of course change the pupil size. And all of these things have to work properly together, otherwise you wind up seeing two, two of everything and you know, if, if someone's cute, well maybe two's not so bad, but if they're blurred, well then two and blurred is not good, two and six are clear is not so bad. Uh, so this is some of the work that was done here by this uh, Russian psychologist who was studying eye movements in about the 1950s and quite a famous picture and it's just showing that when we look at people, we look at their eyes, we look at their, their mouth most of the time. If we're in a room, we tend to look at the heads and sometimes maybe the feet because we're worried this person is fidgety and they're going to jump and hit us or plant a kiss on our cheek and you know, there's these kinds of concerns. Um, here's the modern version of the same sort of thing with heat maps uh, which represent either the number of people who looked at that part of the page or the number of times the individual looked at that page or the number of clicks on the, uh, with the little mouse. And of course this can be used to improve web pages but also to uh, uh, when you've got a bunch of toothpaste or other product on a shelf to try and get you to look at their product and buy it maybe in preference without even realizing that this is actually happening. So there's kind of, uh, eye movements important to us to understand disease and uh, reading and other things but they're also used by other people. Uh, here of course now is Fritz Zernike. When we look at the imperfections of vision there's lots of different types of imperfections. I'm only going to focus on the imperfections uh, which relate to the image that's formed in your eye basically. And we use a thing called the Zernike polynomial expansion. And this um, person, of course, won a Nobel Prize here for physics and for the invention of this uh, phase contrast microscopy. And here I've given you a picture of uh, PCM of uh, rat testicles. Because I know that most of you have spent your whole life wondering what rat testicles might look like. And I thought at the very least you should leave here tonight uh, having crossed that off your bucket list. So, so there it is. Um, all right, so that, so so, and this is a, a also a very nice website for you to go and have a look at it for some of you that are interested, because these are people that have achieved exceptional work, and they're very interesting, and they have their acceptance speeches and videos and all sorts of other things, which are well worth uh, you know having a look at. All right, so then it gets complicated. Uh, we, this is now where we use that Zernike polynomial expansion. We're not going to worry about all the details, but essentially it allows us to work out what type of aberrations or imperfections are present. It allows us to estimate the quantity of those aberrations and to represent it using something like this, uh, which is a kind of a particular form of um, a map which shows how these things work. A simpler way of looking at this is perhaps with this thing, which is called a point spread function. And this thing here is basically saying that if we look at a very far distant um, object, 
uh, star in the sky or something. Uh, if there aren't any aberrations, uh, then we should get a point image forming on the back of our eye on the retina. And essentially, um, we've still got other kinds of things we have to worry about, diffraction and, and scattering, but if there are no aberrations, then this sh uh, a point object at distance should uh, focus to a point on the retina. If you've got the aberration such as this eye has here, which has a lot of astigmatism for those of us that are familiar with these ideas, uh, then you get something like this, and the distribution of light in the image that forms is very much uh, um, you know, not unlike the point, basically. And so this is showing what's happening there. Now, the modulation transfer function, if there were no um, aberrations and there was no diffraction and no scattering of light and so forth, this blue line here would be sitting over there. And so even in a so-called <coughs> aberration-free eye, uh, you can see that the system isn't able to transfer detail 100% uh, uh, through, through this optical system, whether it's an eye or something else, basically. But if we look at the eye here with aberrations, you can see how this blue line drops quite uh, significantly. And so uh, that eye is, uh, the, uh, the optical system struggles to, 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 uh, for information to essentially get through the system, basically. All right, then, there, of course, there's a bit of maths. Um, I had to throw some maths in for Bill, but... Um, no, no. If, 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 if we look at the maths here, they, if you have a look here, this is our Zernike polynomial expansion, and this is essentially what created that wave picture with the colors. And it's just basically saying to us that we can add up surfaces or we can add up aberrations and add up the quantity of those aberrations. And so we've got a three-dimensional wavefront, which is the, really a difference of that wavefront to a reference wavefront. And we can add up these things uh, all the way to infinity if we wanted to go to infinity, essentially. Um, in order to work out something like the point spread function from the previous thing, we have this sort of equation here, which is quite elegant, and it's essentially telling us that this point spread function is the squared modulus of the Fourier transform of the pupil function, which you'll see over here. So um, that's essentially what's happening there. And the pupil function, of course, is this thing here, and it's dependent on the wavelength of light that we're dealing with. Uh, you can see the aberrations. We need to know the aberrations in order to calculate it. And we've also got something here which tells us what kind of pupil is it, a circular or something else, basically. And so this pupil function tells us uh, about where the light can pass through the pupil and how it does it and so forth. And from that and from the aberrations, we're able to work out these other things. And this one, even simpler, if you like, the modulation uh, transfer function here is the uh, modulus of the Fourier transform of the point spread function. And uh, the point I'm trying to make is that there's, actually, there's a lot of uh, complexity in many of the things that we're using, and unfortunately optometrists, including myself, often don't understand the maths uh, anywhere near good enough, well enough. And um, this is why, for example, optometry pretty much in most of the developed world now is, is almost eight years. You, you can't go and do optometry in most parts of, the, of Europe and Australia and America and New Zealand and you know, wherever else. But essentially, you've got to do a BSc. They want people with high <coughs> skills. And so the kind of situation that we've had in South Africa for uh, many years where one year was sufficient uh, is just not good enough, basically, anymore for the sorts of things that we need to know about and work with. Uh, the reason, of course, why we want to know these kinds of things is because we're not only interested in uh, human or animal-type eyes. Uh, we're interested in artificial vision as well. And so he has, for example, a, a dog a robotic dog that's been uh, developed. And um, there are advantages because training a normal dog to do, do this kind of work takes a long time and it's also very expensive and so forth. And of course this, this thing can speak to you in your own language. 
and it never gets lost. You know, and if it breaks, it's often easier to put together, but not always. Um, so, so, but, but it's a complicated process because it has to understand the three-dimensional world in which it's operating in, and it's also got to be able to navigate around obstacles a lot more complicated than this one, of course. And of course, this then leads us to, to an artificial eye or bionic eye for humans. And it might sound like science fiction, but in the future, uh, parents are going to have to decide at birth, well, do we remove the natural eyes and put in these artificial bionic eyes? Or do we wait until this child is old enough to make that decision for themselves? And, there's, and of course, the digital or bionic eye has huge advantages. When I go from the light to the dark, it'll just readjust and I'll see. Uh, the in, infra, uh, infrared sensors will switch on. Well, there will be programs which just collect the little bit of information that it has and amplifies it for us. Or it will have a little crystal film which will descend across its retina and reflect light backwards and forwards until you're able to see. You know, at the same time, if I see a butterfly on a, on a, a plant and it's you know, 50 meters away, I'll just zoom in it and I'll just say, what is that butterfly? And nobody will see what's happening, but there will be a print out in front of me which will explain this is this butterfly and if I meet someone I've forgotten who they are, their, their name will appear, plus a lot of information they probably don't want you to know about them uh, and there's all these sorts of issues that are going to be important. And of course bionic eyes will be very useful because you can kind of screw it out once in a while and put in a new model you know, as every week or two Microsoft and Google and these companies improve it and so forth. Alright, so on that note then I'd like to thank you um, for your attention.